You have to help me practice how to say your name again. You can say Kaloa Gouveia, or you can go the full name. It's Kaloa Desa Gouveia. Gouveia. Go. It sounds like go away. <laughs> <laughs> this is Localization Today, a podcast from Multilingual Media. Every week, we look back on the news from Multilingual.com with a language industry specialist. What stood out? What are notable trends? How can we predict what is going to happen next? I am your host, Marjolein Groot-Nibbling, publisher of Multilingual Magazine. I am a business development manager at Translation Back Office in charge of North America. Before I was in Ukraine and I was covering Europe. When were you in Ukraine? I was in Ukraine between 2018 and 2019. And uh, I would like to take a, just a second here to say that I am really, really sad about everything that's happening there. I still have friends, not just friends from the industry, but friends from life that I made during my time in Ukraine. And this moment is really, really, it's madness. Mm-hmm. And, for all my friends from Ukraine that are hearing this, I am sorry about everything that's happening. Thank you. Which region were you in when you lived there? I was actually based in Kiev, but I did travel a lot to different places. And uh, it's a country with so much cultures, so much different things to learn, especially when you come from South America. It is a completely different place. And uh, I I, I really wish to go back sometime. I actually want to ask you something about Ukraine. I had no idea that you used to live there, but Ukrainian as a language is often just put into the same box with Russian. But I know that it is different. Do you think that linguistic changes can convey political influence? And if so, did you sense any of that in Ukraine when you were there a couple of years ago? I think that we have like eight people in the office, six in one, uh, four in one side of the table and four on the other side of the table. And uh, it was a funny thing because uh, the people on the right side of the table, they were all from the western side of Ukraine. So Mm. they would speak Ukrainian in that Mm -hmm. side of the table. (laughs) And on the left side of the table, there was people from Eastern Ukraine, and they would talk among them between themselves in Russian. And I was always, I mean, I didn't understand very much either either of them. At some point, I, I asked them, do you guys speak the same language? And they said, no, I'm speaking Korean. <laughs> I'm, saying I'm speaking Russian. And then they explained that uh, people that are from the eastern side of the Ukraine, they still tend to keep the Russian language. And then the people from the western side of the Ukraine, closer to Europe, they are more friendly with Ukrainian language. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that uh, it is it is a political statement. It is right. uh, definitely we are speaking our own language. The, the the population in Ukraine that is closer to Europe, like the western side of Ukraine, 
I think that they will not resign and just accept Russian as their mm-hmm. language in their private life or anything like that. The, the Ukrainians, they are really tied to their ancestors, to the ancestry, to, to what they are. And yeah. uh, the language is part of what they are. And that's very important for them. Got it. Got it. Well, Google says Ukrainian is a language that belongs to the old East Slavic group of languages. It has its origin in the family of Indo-European language family. This language was earlier known as the Ruthenian language. The script it uses is of the Cyrillic script variant. And then the main differences between Russian and Ukrainian, Russian uses the hard sign, but in Ukrainian, the sign is replaced with the usage of an apostrophe. While Russian has six cases of a noun, the Ukrainian language uses a seventh case that is being termed as the vocative case. Russian uses a lesser number of consonants, whereas the Ukrainian language incorporates a higher number of soft consonants. And then lastly, Russian has only two ways of referring to future happenings. On the other hand, the Ukrainian language has a third way of referring to the future tense. So they're very small, but very distinct differences. Everything that the Russians do, the Ukrainians do as well, uh, sounds as... uh... And uh, the, the Ukrainians, they do a little bit more. And I they do a little is, bit more, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we'll do one more. We're better. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it's going back to Portuguese and Spanish. It's similar in a sense that everything yeah. that the Spanish do in the language, every sound is there for the Portuguese to catch. And yeah. then when the Portuguese speak, the, the, they there add is a bunch missing of sound. things. Yeah, there is missing sounds for the Spanish that makes it more difficult for them to learn yeah Yeah, i just want to wrap up and say i hope that your friends will be all right i hope they find a safe place whether it is inside ukraine or elsewhere and uh, that our thoughts go out to all the people there stefan huyge wrote an article called the impossible task of conveying complex concepts in limited space because it's not only just conveying the concept and in the context, but also you have limited space. So he called out an example of uh, tutoyer in French, mm-hmm. which in Dutch is actually the same word. It's taken from French, tutoyeren. And we have the same thing that there exists in Portuguese and in Spanish, that there is a tu and a vous. And how do you convey that to, say, an English-speaking person? Or how do you, as the example goes here, someone asks, may I call you by the informal, (laughs) in the informal way, instead of the formal way? It's a question that's often asked on interviews. How do you you put that in subtitles to an English-speaking person? I loved, I loved that article. I loved that article. Because and there is there is some stuff about that article that it's like you can get in trouble if you start using the tutoyer before that other person is mm-hmm. prepared to receive. <laughs> I, I related right away way more to Spanish than Portuguese. 
Mm. Because the Portuguese is not like, uh, it's just formal or informal. So the, the usage of senor, senora would be what would make the difference. But in Spanish, mm. you have the usted. Mm-hmm. The usted, it, and it's pretty much more similar to, and then you have the tú and you have the vos, but the usted eh, impone, eh, es lo que da el respeto. In Portuguese, you don't have that. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not like that. But I also love the way that they use to translate that because even though it doesn't make any like the the, the article says, it's not even close to what it actually is. Yeah, what the translation was in the article. It is. Can I be the, your the, friend? Yeah. Can I? Can we be friends? Can we be Which friends? I thought it was pretty smart, but yeah, it doesn't convey all the cultural significance of the question, may I tutoyer? On TV, it's like, uh, there is, can I please call you in a different way because we are closer now? <laughs> doesn't work, and it doesn't work at all. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this and with my family. Family, we are all extremely informal. Up to a point that I feel uncomfortable sometimes myself, you know. <laughs> but living in Argentina, being away for such a long time and so on, in some situations, I, my father, I, I, I'm 43, my father is 70, I think, I'm not really sure. And sometimes I get me thinking about telling him something and instead of using você, which be would be the, the most informal way, I almost say o senhor, that would be the mister. I don't know exactly how to translate this into English for the audience, but it's like, instead of using you, or in Spanish, instead of using vos in Argentina, uh, using usted, with my father, it's exactly the same example that you just mentioned. And uh, that would never happen if I was not living away from Brazil for that long. When I first moved to the U.S. about seven years ago, I read a super interesting article that's just about that. It's about personality changing as you adopt a formerly second language as your first language, that you start mm-hmm. speaking it all the time, that you start writing it, that you start dreaming it. This can bring about a personality change because you will always be echoing how you perceive this language and how you perceive this culture when you first became acquainted with it. <laughs> yeah, my mother told me last week, she's like, well, you have become quite Americanized. And I'm like, how is that? And she goes, well, everything is great. All of a sudden, everything is great. It's just wonderful and awesome. And I said, well, I have also changed, though. You know, I'm I'm not an overly ambitious and 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 socially frustrated 21 year old anymore. You know, it's you know I change as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that when you are living in a different country with a different culture and all those, it, it starts changing a little bit of your personality. Even mm-hmm. Stefan, uh, he wrote something. Of, saying that people change their tone of voice when they are speaking a different language. And I noticed that when I started going out with Eugenia, my wife, and I started speaking Spanish, my sister would look at me, why don't, why, why when you speak when you're with your girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. your voice changes? 
Yeah. And said, ah, it doesn't change. Doesn't I don't change. know, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Change changes. <laughs> change completely. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. some people just, okay, he's mm. Brazilian, he can do it. <laughs> There, there was there was a time when I was in the U.S. working in a ski resort. I was I was 20 years old, more or less. And um, I would take the shuttle from the city center to the hotel where I was living. And the hotel was Winter Park Mountain Lodge. And um, the driver, he was from Texas. And when I was saying Winter Park Mountain Lodge, or whatever I was saying that time, the mm-hmm. guy said, what? <laughs> and then, then suddenly I said the, the hotel that is far on the road is near to the ski resort and said, oh which park mountain I said yeah <laughs> so after that every time that I was going to take the bus it doesn't matter if it was that driver or any other driver I would say winter park mountain <laughs> <laughs> and they never asked me again <laughs> oh wow That's funny. Well, I want to thank you for being here on the third episode of the weekly localization today. And uh, I look very much forward to seeing you hopefully in Berlin or before then at Gala San Diego. That would be nice. I will definitely be in Gala. We just got the approval today, but I think that we are sponsoring one of the um, happy hours or stuff. So, Oh, you're buying me a drink? Thank you for listening to Localization Today. To subscribe to Multilingual Magazine, go to multilingual.com slash subscribe.